Um, today's message is called Truth and Reality, and I'm really excited about it. So if you would text the church, 777-3520, and just the key words today is truth and reality, truth and reality. And so what will happen is if you're a first-time texter to the church, someone will reply back to you, and then you can reply back to them. Don't worry, I won't I'll call you out for texting during service. Uh, you can just text away, and uh, then someone will meet you at that little cute table at, after service, and you'll get a fun little t-shirt and a gift card and some fun stuff that we got for you. It's going to be swell. Right over there. And so, uh, yeah, welcome to the way. Really excited about last week and um, today. We'll baptize today and next week and the week after that if you guys keep signing up for baptism. You know what I mean? Uh, just go to the app and uh, it'll be, uh, we're going to get crazy up in here, yo. All right. Um, settle down, Tim. I felt like there was something else that I wanted to say that was really exciting. Thanks. Yeah. This message can change your life today. It's a real fundamental message. It's probably so casual, it'll bore the pants off you. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, but um, this can be very boring, and it can be very, very life-changing. Uh, and so it's just a really fundamental, elementary, one-on-one message that I think is so important. And I think it's awesome that it fell on the week after Easter which I promise, I didn't even plan it that way, but I, I like it, I like it, I like it a lot. All right, I'm going to read something, and then during it, I'm going to show a video, and uh, you'll see where we're going here. Most people are unlikely to pick up a copy of Shakespeare, uh, of, of, a, of a Shakespeare play at the news agents to help them while they, on a long train journey or flight. Despite this, the bard is regarded by many as the greatest writer that, that these islands have ever produced. What is less well-known is that Shakespeare plays and poetry are well-received around the world. If you are so inclined, you can find translations of the Hamlet in 75 different languages. Isn't that crazy? Including, I googled it, it's true, Klingon. You can get the Hamlet in Klingon. However, in terms of international popularity, uh, the bard is challenged by... by a comparative newcomer. There are more than 70 official translations of J.K. Rowland's Harry Potter books with a significant number of unauthorized versions available in yet more languages. But if you want to know what the Japanese word is for Mongol or discover how to write Latin-sounding spells in real Latin, the books are out there. However, Shakespeare and the J.K. Rowling are miles behind behind the UN Declaration of Human Rights, which is available in over 370 different languages, which I have yet to read. Uh, and uh, they're available from Abazga to Zulu. These are all worthy efforts, but the real champion of international availability is the Bible. This month, the Wyclef Bible translators released the latest scripture access statistics, which tell you a truly amazing story. The bottom line figure is that there are passages of the Bible available in 3,223 different languages. This includes 636 languages, which the complete Bible, and 1,444 more with the whole New Testament. However, there is more to the story than printed Bibles. Over the last year, Uversion added 1,000 languages to its mobile Bible app. Faith Comes by Hearing, has also produced audio scriptures in more than 1,000 languages. I think that's pretty rad. 
Here's a pretty cool one. The Jesus film, which is based on the text of Luke's gospel, is most widely available in more than 1,460 languages. And uh, I just wanted you to see today what it's like for someone to hold a copy of the Bible for the first time in other countries. This is in China, where in some parts you'll die for holding one. And these guys, it's a really uh, bad um, copy, I know, but these people are moved to tears. Some of them literally traveled miles. I watched multiple videos this morning. I was at three in the morning of people that, that, that said they walked for three and a half hours to get to church, over rivers to get to church, and many, some of them got their first copy of a Bible, and they were, whew, you would have thought they won the lottery. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Anyways, um, so I'm, I'm just really grateful for my scriptures today, and uh, I think about some of the stories of people that gave their lives for the Bible. And uh, man, it just, we don't understand, we don't, we don't get it as an American, because we have so much we have so many things we don't understand the value of God's word and what it is globally. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm going a different route than I normally go with this verse, with this uh, story today. We have a video we're going to show you next, and it just kind of tells a quick story of, of where the Bible has been throughout the world from, uh, from Luther to... Slavery and all kinds of stuff. Uh, check this out. This is pretty wonderful, in my opinion. I, I thought it was beautiful.
I thought that was pretty neat. I don't know if you guys enjoyed that, but I was like, man, you know what? That's, that's powerful. Uh, that's the book that I hold today, you know, and um, I guess my prayer for all of us, I'll say it small, but I mean it big, that God would teach us to love his word above all things. Scripture says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not. And that's something that we've got to really figure out is that your truck is ultimately one day going to be nothing. Your boat will not exist in 200 years from now. Your house will mean nothing. But the word of God will still, it will outlast you again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And it's eternal. God teaches to value what you value. So I'm going to start this off today. Um, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so I'm thinking about that and I'm trying to figure out what what does that look like, right? And uh, so today's message, I'm I'm calling it um, truth and reality, truth and reality, truth and reality. And I realize that I fall prisoner of uh, situations in my life. And uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture that's kind of long. And it's found in Matthew chapter 14. But three of the four gospels would include this very story. And it's a fantastic story. And many of you guys, whether you're familiar with the scripture or not, already are aware of this story. But here you have it for from the book of Matthew chapter 20, 14, verse 22. And it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go, bef- go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. That's 22. Let me stop there. While he sent the multitudes away. This just came off the heels of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with nothing. This dude is beyond crazy awesome. He took little of no food and made it enough to feed thousands of people like he's cool. So uh, he gets done and he's like, Jesus, uh, Jesus is like, hey guys, I want you to get in the boat. And go over there, and they're like, whatever you want, man, I'm, uh, I'm going to get in the boat, and I'm going to go, I'll see you later. And so Jesus wants to go and pray, he wants to be by himself. So he sends the thousands of people alone, and he goes off to pray in verse 23. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Listen, uh, you got to see this. Uh, you can't just hear it. It says that there was a boat in the middle of the sea, and it was being tossed by wind, okay? So you ever been on a cruise, right? You got that feeling? Except a cruise does this. But, like, these guys are on a boat, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's crazy. You ever watch Delius Catch? I love it. I don't know how these guys even get around on the boat, like, right? Like, you know, we went fishing just a couple months ago, and... Uh, that was awesome. I caught this huge, ginormous grouper, and uh, it was great. Anyways, uh, walking on that boat is really scary, and so these guys are on this little boat, and it's being tossed by the wind, it says, and they look out, and uh, now, 25, it was the fourth watch of the night, and Jesus went to them walking on the sea. <laughs> what? This is crazy. I, I'm, 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 I'm believing it because it's here. Uh, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, 
Yeah, <laughs> they said it's got to be a ghost. Now, I want you to understand why they thought it was a ghost, why they didn't know it was Jesus. I don't know if you can recall, but I, I'm not under the impression that they had lights on their boat at this point. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't have these big fog lights where they could shine the light out on Jesus, who's hanging out, just like, hey, guys, just fishing, you know, like he's, first of all, and the way I would see this story is it would be like, look, there's someone. Where? Hold on. There? Nope. Why? Because a wave is coming up. <laughs> There's a guy there? There's not a guy there. <laughs> There's a guy there? <laughs> There's not a guy there. You know what I'm talking about? So they're like, it's got to be a ghost because there was someone there a second ago. And uh, the way this is happening is it's the only light that's producing this guy that's out there is the moon. That's probably very seldomly lit, right? And so uh, anyways, I get excited when I think about this story because I think it's, it's crazy. Anyways, Jesus, he goes, be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. First of all, I hate when Jesus says this or any of the angels say this because you know it's the first thing you're going to do is freak out of your mind. Like, first of all, I don't even know if there's a human out there. And if there is, what is happening right now? Like, did we drink too much wine this morning or what? Anyways, uh, they, they, uh, they are terrified. So Peter answers, and he says to the Lord, if it is you, command me that I come to you on the water. Why not, right? There's a really cool book um, that, that uh, is, it was written like 10 years ago, and it's called, If You Want to Walk on the Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat. And I think it's a fascinating book, and he points out, the author points out in this scenario that, that uh, there was 11 other disciples that didn't get out of the boat. And I think that's unfortunate, man. You know what I mean? Like, what an opportunity. Like, if you, there's Jesus. I'm going to be where Jesus is at, you know? And uh, why miss out? And so Peter's dumb enough to believe that he can do it, right? So he gets out of the water, and uh, he begins to walk. Jesus says, come. It's the only word that he says, you know, you, come to me. And, uh, and I think it's fascinating that this is the only thing that Jesus says to Peter. Now, what is important is as we were singing some of these songs earlier i didn't know i didn't ask him to sing any of these songs or anything like that but as i was hearing all these i was hearing my sermon in every song they played this morning because i believe that i'll see you do it again and uh there are situations in our life if you're really living for god then there's something that you're you're wanting the lord to do and i'm not implying that you're not living for god if you don't have something but you need to get something that you're believing God for. And it's what awakens your faith to come alive. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of the Lord. Peter heard Jesus say, come, and his faith came alive. He came alive. Dude is the only guy standing on water. I want you to know in that moment, he's alive, and the rest of them are kind of still freaking out, you know. But Peter's not freaking out. He's walking on water. And uh, it's where I want to be in my life where I'm believing God for things to be done in my life. That I'm believing that God can do something that I cannot do, that Paul cannot do for me, that none of you guys in this room can do for me. And it's just something that it awakens your, your soul and your spirit comes alive when you pencil something in your life that you want to believe God for. Now, Peter says, bid me to come. Jesus says, come. And P Peter walks on God's word. What I mean by that is that you have to understand in your life what Jesus' words mean to you. To Peter, it meant, that's the guy right there that just fed 5,000 people. That's the guy right there that I think is God. 
that's the guy right there who's walking on water. Whatever he says I can do, I can do. You've got to get to a point where you decide what you believe when it comes to God's word. Now, here's what I mean. A lot of us believe that Jesus is God and that, you know, if we believe in Jesus, when we die, we'll be with him in heaven. Absolutely right. But there's so much more to all of this than just that. That's the basic part of it. But like, what does he say for your life, for your family, for your kids, for your finances, for your health, for your education, for your leadership, for your giftings, for the purpose of your life. Like, what does God say for you? For Peter, God said, come. And that was enough. And he stood on the impossible based on God's word, come. Now, listen to this. What happens next, I think, is fascinating. Because when, 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 uh, then Peter came down off the boat and he walked to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid And he began to sink and he cried out with a loud voice saying, Lord, save me. He's walking on God's word, trusting what God has to say for his life. And in the process, he begins to see that the waves are are big. They're tossing a boat. Surely they're tossing him. If you've ever walked on a boat in the water, you know that it can be kind of difficult. Can you imagine not walking on a boat in the water, walking on the water? Like, you ever walk and you're doing something at the same time? Like, uh, we live in 2018, so all of you have text in public, right? And you ever miss the step, right? And you're like, this is Peter walking on water. He missed the next wave, you know what I'm talking about? And he dropped like four feet. And in the middle of it, he realized that the winds were boisterous and it was overwhelming him. And in that moment, he realized the reality of the situation he was in. He took his eyes off Jesus and realized, holy moly, the winds are crazy. The water is crazy. I'm walking on water right now. I am not walking on water. I am sinking. I am sinking. Oh, dear Jesus, save me. And that became his new reality. And I realized that in my life, I am taught sometimes reality by life and not by truth and this is something that we've we've got to figure out because you can live in reality or you can live in, in the promise that God has for you but you're going to have to figure out what it is you want and what you believe there was a, a, a speakers we had here yesterday they killed it it was unbelievable we'll have it on the podcast later and Pam was up here talking yesterday with a family discipleship workshop, and they were talking about marriage, and she was talking about one of the things in life is she realizes that someday she wakes up, and <clears throat> she's having a bad day, and she realizes that the day is just awful, it's terrible, it's bad, and it's, it's only going to get worse. And she one day realizes that she could either believe that or she can change her mind about that. And if she lives in that, the rest of her day is now determined to be bad unless she changes her mind. And this is the reality. So I'm thinking about, this is not part of my notes. I'm just, this is a nugget for you. I'm thinking about, like, this is, this is the Bible. It's not, like, part of it. And that's why I, I, I encourage you as your pastor, please, you have to understand, don't just listen to my opinion today. Please read the Bible. Please read the Bible. I am just a, a weird, funny-looking, bald guy who stands up here. The Bible is eternal, and it's alive, and it will speak to you. And it speaks to me. And my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, is the twelve spies, 
right? These, these guys are like, they, they believe that God wants to give them a land. They believe that God wants to give them something great. They get up some guys and say, hey, that's our land. Go check it out. They go and check it out. And everyone comes back and goes, well, let me tell you about it, man. It's, um, it's pretty good. It's cool. Land flows of milk and honey. That sounds awesome, first of all, right? Uh, basically just means it's really good. And he's like, but we're, it's not really for us. You know, I think that that other place over there with, like, the, you know, the dirt and the sand and all that, that's probably better. It's safer, meaning there were, like, these huge, ginormous warriors over there that all looked like Brady. Uh, and, uh, and it was like, and I, like I, I just, I can't go to that land over there. Brady will eat me. I am like grasshopper in his sight, is what the Bible says. And, uh, and they said, we can't have that land. There's other people there that are ginormous. And, and you can, that's, that's the reality of the situation. And this is where we live. And it's where we pitch our tent. And it's where we live our life, subpar of God's truth and what he wants for our life. And so this is why it's dangerous. Hear me on this, guys. This is why it's so dangerous for you to live for Jesus and not have a relationship with God's word. Because if God, he, mm, nope, I wrote this down, so this is not me, um, just, oh, yeah, I wanna, I wanna say that too. That was good. All right, I'm gonna come back to that. Here we go, listen to this. I wanna know God. I wanna know him. I wanna know who he is. I wanna know Jesus, right? And if I was to ask everyone in this room, who is Jesus? Many people would say, oh, he was like the kindest, nicest guy. He was awesome. He fed people. He healed people, whatever. Right, that is, those are all true things. But that's actually who he was. Hear me. Revelation Chapter 19, verse 11 through 16, it says this. He says, Now I saw the heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes wars. His eyes, man, I want to know God. You know what I'm saying? Listen to this, and this is who Jesus is. He says, In his eyes, were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had the name written on it that no one knew except him. And he was clothed with a robe that was dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. Man, I want to know that dude. I want to know him. And in order to know him, you got to know him. You got to study him. You got to research him. Like some of you guys that are still dating some girl, you got to know her. You got to spend time with her. Guys that are married for 40 years, you got you to have relationship. Like this is, we got to go deeper. We got to keep, well, I'm glad you've been a Christian for 15 years. Please read your Bible. You got to know him. And then it says, and he, and, and he has on his robe and on his thigh written, Scotty says that's a tattoo that Jesus had you know, for the sake, uh, had on his, on his thigh was written a name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So it says that who he is is faithful and true. You want to know Jesus? He's faithful and true. He judges the world. He's got passion in his eyes. Man, his name is the word of God. His name is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Like, man, I'm learning a lot already. He's more than just that guy that fed 5,000 people. Now he's more than just a miracle worker. But I forgot that. But now I remember. And it changes everything. 
cool. I want to I grow more in love with him, and it happens from obeying him. Here's, here's some cool things. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As you read the Bible, what I realize is there's some awesome opportunities that we all have to grow. I believe we grow when we act in faith towards God. When, when we give up, and you know why we love, if you're a parent in this room, it's one of the puzzle, most puzzling things in the whole world for me, why I love my children. I don't get it. On, on, on a real note, I don't get it. They've done nothing thus far to benefit my life. They don't work for me. They don't feed me. They don't cook for me. They, they have pooped, thrown up. They have spent my money again and again and again and again. I've bought them stuff that they broke and I had to buy it again. Anyone else, right? I don't get why I love them, but I get it because I've never sacrificed so much to love someone. And because I sacrifice, I love them. You want to learn how to love God today? Sacrifice some things. Sacrifice a couple things to make time to know him. It's really hard to love someone that you do nothing for. All right, that was a free nugget right there. I didn't have that one written down. So here's some opportunities that happens when we read. We learn about, like the Bible says things all the time I don't even like. I'm like, oh, I don't want to read that one today. Here, but, it, but it changes me. You have an opportunity to abstain from sin. You'll read something, and you'll be like, oh, yep, that one's me. I'm struggling with that one. And then I have this opportunity. I can listen to it, or I can do whatever I want to do. But if I listen, my spirit has this opportunity to engage in obeying what God has for my life. And when I obey, my heart gets bigger. Has anyone else ever felt this happen in their life? You have another opportunity for, to forgive a friend. You're reading and you're like, oh, yeah, I hate that person. <laughs> you're about to go into work and you know you're going to walk right into them. And you're like, on it. And you have an opportunity to obey God, submit to what he wants for your life, and your heart explodes and you fall deeper in love with God. Here's another opportunity. You're praying new prayers. You're like, yeah, the prayer of Jabez. God, you would expand my tent. You're reading Ephesians or Colossians. These prayers are huge. Or reading Psalms. Like, those are really good. Oh, here's a great one. Another opportunity. Reading your Bible will tell you, you got to share your faith. You're like, yeah. Man, how am I going to tell them? Here's a, here's a great one. Teaching the word to your family, to your wife, to your church. To your boss. Hey, I read a really cool verse the other day. They're going to be like, what? Yeah, it was really, this is what normal people do. We were talking about it at Small Group the other day. Normal people, they're like, hey, I heard this song. It was so good. Normal people are like, hey, I watched this thing on YouTube. It was so hilarious. This baby just laughs. You can tell your friends that you read something that you thought was really interesting in the Bible. It's a great way to just talk about what you love. Because normal people talk about what they love. All right, here, here's another cool thing. Submitting to leadership. What a great opportunity. I'm like, oh, man, I hate this guy. It's terrible. But you submit and you have an opportunity to explode your faith in another level. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And all of it is an act. So the Bible says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Right? It's an opportunity. Like, like he's already drawn near to you, so now it's your turn. And if you step towards him, then he'll step towards you, and you'll feel closer to God because you heard him say something to you, and then you did it. And it's a wonderful, privileged dance. 
Man, I could keep going with that, but I, I don't got, I ain't got no time for that. All right, here we go. Um, worshiping, giving, fasting. These are all opportunities that we could read about in the scripture and then have an opportunity to go, oh, I need to do that thing. That's good. That's good for me. And then I do it, and my heart explodes because faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And then because I'm acting and living in faith, because I'm believing that God's going to do something through my life, I'm exploding in love for God. Some of you want to know why you're not growing? Because it's dead, man. The best part of service is when Rachel's singing, you know? You gotta, we got to get this in us. We got, we just, no matter what happened yesterday, today's a new day, Jack. All right, here we go. All right, awesome. I got some really cool more stuff for you. A lot of stuff. Holy moly. All right, we got to get going. Um, yeah, here we go. All right, here we go. So I wanted to let you know that there are ways that you can hear God's voice. A lot of ways, right? So the Bible says that my sheep know me and they hear my voice. So if you're God's child, you're led by the Spirit of God. You, God, contrary to what anyone has ever told you in your life, God wants to speak to you, every one of you. If I'm lying, I'm dying, I promise. Like, this is God's plan for your life, not for, like, forget me, you. He wants to talk to you. Now, this is how he does it. I believe he will speak to you through a vision. There's people that have had it. Tiffany, uh, who's in our front row, she used to be like, God never talks to me. I just don't know how to hear his voice. And one day she's driving down the road being absolutely like non-Pentecostal as possible. And Tiffany has an open vision while driving down the road. Am I lying? Crazy. He can speak to you through a vision. God can speak to you audibly. Now, I don't understand how this works, really, but God has spoken to me multiple times in my life. I have never heard God speak audibly. What I mean by that is God has never spoke to me in the same way that I'm talking to you right now. But I have heard his voice. They call it a still small voice. Sometimes it's been loud, like, you dumb, Jack. You know what I mean? Like, you need to get your life right. You need to get back in that room and go apologize to your wife. And, uh, and if I obey, I grow. And if I don't, I sleep on the couch, right? You know what I'm talking about? But there's a still small voice, and it can be loud. The God also speaks through the prophetic. What that means is someone else would come to you with the word of the Lord. I would always say that if someone has a word for you, make them write it down. Because prophecies can be dangerous. So make them write it down so that way you can go back to what exactly they said because it can make you emotional. And then share it with a friend. Because it can make you think, well, am I really supposed to? I had a I promise. I had multiple people tell me, you're, you're supposed to marry that, this girl. Like, she looked like she got beat up. I ain't, God ain't trying to ain't God's will for my life. And God, Teresa came along. It was great. That was not God's will for my life. God can speak to your friends, but the number one way, I promise you, as your pastor, as your friend, as a follow, fellow follower of Jesus, the number one way that God will speak to you, can I get an amen from people in this room, is through the word of God. Amen. This is it. If you learn to read the Bible, you will learn God's voice. Okay, that's all. I just had to get that clear. Now, in life, there's a whole bunch of situations that I was going to... So uh, I'm going to say this quickly, and we're going to move on into the sermon, because that was the, the preliminary here. 
I'm excited, man. This is really good stuff. It can change your life. And it can be so daggone boring. Like, are you serious? We're going to talk about the Bible? I don't know a pastor that talks about this. Like, that makes the whole dang service. Here's the thing. You can feed a fish, feed someone a fish, and they'll eat for a day. You could teach someone to fish, and they'll eat for a lifetime. And my sermons aren't that good. Let me just break it down for you. So you'll eat a lot better if you learn how to cook yourself, you know? (laughs) Phil, isn't that right? That's truth, right? That's true. Phil drives up here from Sarasota every week to come to church. Can you believe these people? He hit his head somewhere. I don't know. Anyways, here we go. So Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I love this. Here's what you got to hear. This is Jesus. He's God, okay? He's led by the Spirit of God, the Blessed Trinity, right? Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, you're not, if Jesus isn't abstained from temptation, neither are you, Jack. So what's funny is temptation looks different to everyone. Like to some people, you hear the word temptation and you think of like sex or you think of drugs. You think of alcohol, all the big ones. No, 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 no. Temptation comes in different colors. Temptation comes in, can you believe he just left his underwear in the middle of the floor again? And you have an opportunity to listen to the devil right there. And it will change your whole day, your whole week, your whole month if you let him. The devil speaks in different ways. They're subtle. And in this verse, in Matthew chapter 4, the devil speaks to Jesus in three different ways. One time it's about bread. uh, It's about food. One time it's about popularity. And one time it's about God being able to rescue him from a situation that God didn't want to put him in. And every time the enemy spoke to Jesus... He did it with truth. And so this is why I think it's so funny, is our view in reality. I I, I like listening to talk shows, and um, I'm a sports advocate, right? And so I'll listen to sports, people talk about sports. And it's really funny because I, in most scenarios in life, can play the neutral card and listen to people talk about their perspective without actually having a dog in the fight. Does that make sense? And so I'll listen to someone and be like, wow, that's good. He's right. And then on these talk shows, these sports talk shows, what what they'll do is the next person that will talk, and he'll say the complete opposite. Like, they'll talk about stats, like LeBron James. He is the greatest athlete that's ever lived in any sport on earth. He is unbelievable. This guy basically walks on water. He's fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And then someone else would be like, are you kidding me? LeBron James missed a free throw the other night. He's terrible. And so... And I'm like, yeah, that's true. He's awful. (laughs) But they'll back it up with statistics and stats, with facts. And this is reality. There are facts that would say that uh, the churches aren't growing today. Churches just, God's not doing in the church what he used to do. Back when I was a kid, back when, when I, things were great then. When we sang the song that we sang it back then, then God would move. That may be a fact. There may be a reality to that statement. But there's other truth also. And so here's what I found. The reality is, is if I don't earn money for my family, they won't have anything to eat. We worry and we stress and we get angry and we get frustrated and we get jealous and we get bitter because we need God to provide for my family. So I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to work. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to earn, 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 earn. Because if I don't earn it, we won't have it. That is, that is a reality. And it's actually also backed up in Scripture. Let me, let me show it to you. It, it says um, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall they eat. I love it. Go to the ant, you lazy sluggard. I, there are some millennialists here in this, that need to hear this. Like, I love that verse that would say that uh, he that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Oh, man, I like that one. There's some lazy piece of crap. I but there, there is also, listen to this verse. I thought this is absolutely cool. Listen, this is really, this is the double-edged sword. This is the other side of the reality. Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. And so you got to understand that most of us park our RV on one side of every truth. And we like it there. Here, here listen to this. For you may say to yourself, my power and, and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And I have to remember that who he is, is Jehovah Jireh. Like the Lord, like this is a reality you're going to have to figure out at some point in your life because you will spend the rest of your life frustrated, angry, tired, and worn out trying to get stuff that doesn't even matter if you get. Here's another reality. There are people that haven't worked in years in our country and they're eating just fine. So you can worry as much as you want, but it ain't going to add a day to your life. That's what the Bible says. I'm not telling you that you should live this way, and I'm not telling you this. But what I'm telling you is who I know the Lord is, is Jehovah Jireh. The Bible says that he is my provider. When I read that, I set my mind to that. I realize that changes the dynamic of the way of the responsibility that's on me. Now, I'll work as if I have to, but I'm going to live as if he has to. Or no, I'll believe as if I, he has to, but I'm going to live as if I have to. Did I say that one right? All right, we'll fix that on the podcast, Scotty. Can we edit that out? I'm just kidding. He's like, I can't find that in there. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. That's one reality. Truth versus reality. You have to learn, he is my provider. I had a whole bunch of notes here. I swear they were here a minute ago. Anyways, I know where they are. Um, that's not it. If I work hard, I deserve this. This is a reality in our country. We think, man, I just, I work, I work, I work, I work, I work. I don't know if we realize, but, so like we work uh, nine to five, and most of us are wore out. But like our grandparents, they work the five to nine. <laughs> it's quite the difference, you know? And so the hard part about us growing up, college guys, you guys are the next victims of this, but I was a victim of this, is that when me and my wife got married, I thought that I, my life is supposed to start where my parents left off. Like, when I moved into my first apartment, I was like, Why? we, we, we got to get a bed in that spare bedroom. We've got to get lamps. We've got to decorate every room. We've got to get all these things because we're supposed to have all these things. No, you're not. You're just starting your life. But many of us have this feeling of entitlement and possession and worth. 
and it's really of the enemy. It will drive you towards goals that are meaningless and chasing after the wind. Hmm. I'm going to skip all the, all the cool stuff. All right, so we're doing this book right now, and it's called Freedom. And uh, we've been, uh, I think that this is week nine. It's a series we've been in, and it's talking about the issues of our heart and the blockages that prevent us from loving God. And at the end of it, we're going to have a prayer meeting where we lay hands on everyone, and we pray. It's going to be like a six-hour day, eight-hour day. We're going to pray and worship all day long and pray for everyone that we could help rid ourselves of some of these big things. And we've been getting some really cool testimonies coming back of people that are saying, dude, I have struggled with hatred towards this person. Someone was telling me the other day, they had hatred towards someone, and they wrote their name down in a book. And when they wrote their name down in a book, two days later, that person came to their house on accident. And they hadn't seen him in like 12 years. What in the world is that? Like, that's God setting you up. And I, I kid you not, this person goes to church, they're not here right now, so I love talking about people behind their back, you know? Uh, but they said, listen, they said, in a moment, I never knew freedom like I did in that moment. They said it was, it, the book is called Freedom, right? Yeah, I get it. They said, honest to God, it felt like chains fell off my life. And, it's, and it just happens. And so this book is talking about some issues in our life. And one of the issues is that we've got to learn to substitute the thoughts that we have in our mind that are not true because we've substituted reality into that situation. I'm not done yet. I'm going to make this make a little bit more sense here in a minute. Am I making sense so far? So freedom, if you want to know freedom, you've got to get God's word in your life. Like, he wants to talk to you. The God that created the universe, that holds galaxies in his hand, wants to be your friend. And he wants to lead you tomorrow. And that's a fascinating thing. Holy moly. Okay, here we go. So some of the things that I think that God wants to um, weed out, these realities from truths. I had heard this from a friend the other day, and it, 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 I don't know if I can say this, but I'm gonna say, I was so pissed off when I heard this. I'm sorry, Matt Bullock. I'm sorry. I just looked up something. Okay. Uh, I, I was so mad. I heard this, and it, it was a, it was a couple that just went through a divorce, and they have kids, and they said, God wants me to be happy. Where did you read that or learn that or what? Like, show me where that's the reality. Because, first of all, in just about every circumstance in life, instant gratification is not going to lead to happiness. 90% of the time, the quick fix is only going to feel good for a couple moments. And it's going to leave your kids and your family feeling jacked up, confused, and upside down. Divorce hurts so many people, and people, oh, yeah, but God wanted me to be happy. He wanted me to feel good. I wasn't feeling loved, and so I felt like I should be feeling loved. Are you watching Oprah? Like, where are you getting these things from? Like, no, God wants you to fulfill the covenant that you made, and he's going to fulfill the covenant that he made to you. Man, it's imp- All right, I'm sorry. Truth and reality. Prayer. Some people are like, I'm not good at prayer. It, 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 things don't work out when I pray. That's how you feel. But the reality is, is that there's a lot of things that's happening because you're learning how to pray. One, you're actually creating the discipline of having a relationship with God. Let me explain to you this way. 
I can't tell you how many dates I've been on with my wife that we set out with great expectation <laughs> and came home as a failed miserable. Like we, we didn't even like each other when the night was over, you know. But it's the discipline that matters. Like we've got to connect. Like me and our kids have had so many times where we've sat out to do a Bible study with our kids. And it just, it just didn't work out. You know what I mean? Kid peed himself, and this kid's picking his nose and rolling all around the ground. But you have the discipline. And there's times where I start off in prayer, and I feel like my, my prayers are bouncing off the roof. But the discipline of being there is glorious. Not everything in life just explodes with, like, fireworks. I'm, I have to keep going. Addiction. There are some in this room. No, this is, this is one I'm going to camp on here for a second. It's not Addiction. Fellowship. So I didn't know that this creeped into churches as much as I'm learning now it does. But there are some people that love God, that attend our church, that hate coming to church because they know they have to talk to people at church. And I can't explain to you how much, uh, it's not your fault for feeling that way, but you can't believe that God wants that in your life. It's hard to talk to people. I get it. It's hard to be friends with some people. I get it. But this thing that we're talking about here, the Bible, we only love Jesus because this thing was written, right? Almost all of the New Testament was written to churches for the sake of fellowship. So for us to continue on in the belief system that we are loving God but not doing what this book is saying, and that's talking to other people that go to church. We can't grow. We can't grow on our own. I know it's hard to connect with people, but you've got to understand, the devil is a liar. And he is going to make a lot of things feel like a reality. But your feelings will deceive you. Your feelings will tell you that your marriage stinks. Your feelings will tell you that your parents are dumb. Your feelings will tell you that your kids are dumb. Your feelings will tell you that your church is dumb. Your feelings will tell you that your job stinks and you don't need that job. Your feelings will tell you a lot of things. But it ain't truth. And we're not led by what we feel. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. Poverty, fear, and anxiety, a lot of things can overwhelm us if we learn to live in that reality, but we have to learn how to substitute truth and speak it. I'm, all, I'm closing. We've got to, like Peter, walking on water, we have to learn how to stand on God's word and not on the reality of the crashing, emotional, overwhelming feeling. We've got to learn to stand on truth. And so I don't know where truth is in your life, but I know that this book came a long way to get to you. And I know that you're busy. It's the biggest, I can't speak of generation in the past and I can't speak to the one to come, but the greatest trick the enemy's pulling right now is making this generation busy. We're so busy we can't sit down. We're so busy we don't have a day off. We're so busy we can't read or have a moment of quiet. What is happening? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says this. Paul says, he says, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, please, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your whole life be transformed if you just renew your thoughts. If you just change the way you think, your whole life will change. That is crazy. And then you may prove what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. 